All right, guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Tooth Podcast. It is Monday, January the 22nd, 2018, and today's episode is all about uh, diving into some of the matchups for Tuesday night in the SEC. There are five of them. Uh, you know, usually it feels like sometimes we get four games one night, three games the other night before we, we hit the weekend, but there's going to be five games on Tuesday with two to follow up on Wednesday. Uh, but before we get to those, uh, obviously it's Monday, so there's a lot of stuff that comes out in terms of polls, bracketology, all of that good stuff. Uh, I put on the website, southeasttubes.com. New bracketologies are out, and obviously Joe Lenardi at ESPN is the one that everyone seems to look at and really sometimes get a little carried away with because you also you just have to remember that it is January the 22nd. And while you can look at this bracketology and feel like Team A should be higher, Team B should be lower, it's still a January bracketology, and it doesn't mean anything in terms of the seeding part. Uh, the, the one thing I usually look at is just the teams that are projected to be in the field right now. Based So that gives you a better idea of the team's resume, how it's viewed, and, and the teams that have the best chance of being in that mix if the NCAA tournament started today and should those teams stay on their current course like they are now. And we know that things are going to change hundreds of times before we get you know, to the NCAA tournament in March. And so don't get too carried away. If you look at a bracketology and feel like your team is, is one you know, seed too low or one seed too high or something like that, uh, the, the biggest thing I look at, like, like I mentioned, is just the teams that are projected to be in because that gives you a better idea of how resumes are being built, uh, where teams stand among the rest of the teams around the country uh, for those kind of at-large bids. And so I think that's important to look at. But Lenardi's latest bracket, uh, eight teams from the SEC, no surprise there. Uh, George is also in that first four outline. Uh, Auburn is the highest at a number four seed. You've got three teams in there, Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky, all at number five, Arkansas and A&M at a nine. And then Alabama and Missouri at a 10, uh, which, again, seed-wise, not surprising because we, we continue to talk about this. Right now, at this very moment, it feels like there are a lot of good teams in the SEC, but you're still looking for that one team you feel like is a surefire Elite Eight, Final Four type of team uh, right now. And I think that's something that we'll continue to watch as the season goes along. Teams will separate themselves from others. Uh, but but that's kind of where it is now. Eight teams getting into the tournament feels like a pretty good bet to me. All eight of those teams th- that we mentioned there are in the top 40 of the RPI. Georgia's just on the outside. They're at 51. Uh, and then you have South Carolina still there at 53. LSU took a pretty big drop after that loss to Vanderbilt. They dropped all the way down to 99 in the RPI. Uh, so that didn't really help them because they were right there with Georgia in terms of possibly still being in the mix for a tournament bid. And again, they still can be. A lot of teams still can be, and you just have to keep in mind how many quality win opportunities there are in the SEC this season because of those numbers we just mentioned. Uh, You know, you're talking about a strength of schedule that a lot of these teams have a great strength of schedule. A lot of these teams have a high RPI. And so you have plenty of chances to, to still be in the NCAA tournament mix. This isn't as clear cut as it's been in recent years where you say, okay, we know for sure 
that it's going to be those five teams, those six teams that are going to make it to the tournament. It's just not that way this year. You feel pretty good about a lot of these teams' chances, but if you're a team on the outside right now, you still have a lot of quality win opportunities left, and so I don't think there's really any reason to panic just because we don't know how the second half of conference play is going to play out just because of how wild things have been in the first half so far. One of the other things that people always look at uh, is the AP poll, and you guys know my thoughts on the AP poll overall. I don't think it's a good resource for judging teams, and for everyone that that just looks at the AP poll and takes it as the end-all, be-all to judge the quality of teams, I would suggest that you kind of look elsewhere uh, because it's just, and it's not the problem for the of the voters. It's just a matter of the system itself. Uh, it makes it very difficult to, to kind of be able to to look at this poll and take it uh, as being the the ultimate standard when it comes to judging teams. Uh, but if you look at the AP poll, there are three SEC teams in, and the biggest surprise, of course, is that one of those three is not Kentucky, as they fall out for the first time in several years. Auburn is still the team uh, at the highest at number 19. Florida's right behind them at 20. Tennessee at 22. Um, I usually do my top 25. I haven't actually put it together yet, uh, but if you want to listen to our top 25 breakdown podcast we do on the Marching to Madness podcast, which I've mentioned many times, and some of you who subscribe to this subscribe to that as well, that's the podcast where we do interviews with coaches, analysts all around the country, uh, but we do a top 25 weekly podcast. That'll be up probably late Monday night. Uh, so you can check out kind of where we had some of these SEC teams. But let's go ahead and talk about some of the games that will take place there on Tuesday night. As we as we continue to say, where, where teams are trying to find those wins to, to continue to kind of boost their resumes going forward. The first game of the night uh, will be Arkansas at Georgia. And the way I look at this game is, You've got two teams right now that kind of have something to prove uh, because Georgia and Arkansas, and, and Arkansas is in better shape at this point, as we've seen you know, when you break down the numbers and such, but these are two teams that, that have not been models of consistency. I mean, they have kind of had ups and downs, especially when we've gotten into SEC play here, and you're still kind of waiting to see whether you can see an Arkansas be in that top tier in the conference in terms of maybe top four, top five. Uh, You're waiting to see if Georgia is going to get enough help around Yontay Mayton to be able to make that push and be into the NCAA tournament. It's a very intriguing game in that regard because you want to kind of see how these two teams are going to play. And and the biggest thing you have to look at here, this is the first of three road games for Arkansas. Three straight in SEC play, they're going to go on the road. And the problem with that is Arkansas hasn't won a road game all year long. And so that makes this matchup sort of fascinating in that regard because Arkansas is going to have to find ways to to win on the road if they're going to be in that, like we mentioned, that top four, top five in the SEC. If they want to get to that point, they've got to find ways to win on the road, and they haven't been able to do that so far. You know, I mean, three of their four true road games have been not really that close. I mean, you know, the, the closest they've been was the the game at Mississippi State. We only lost by three. After that, lost to Auburn by 11. They had the 15-point loss at Florida recently. Then you have to go back to that 26-point loss against Houston earlier in the season, which doesn't look as bad now. I mean, you never want to lose by 26, but Houston is playing good basketball, uh, and they certainly look like a team uh, that, that's making noise, of course, in the American. But 
this is a chance for the Razorbacks to show that they can finally put it together and win on the road. They got a good win against Ole Miss at home. Finally got some consistent production beyond the big three there of Macon, Barford, Gafford. And that's going to have to continue to win a game like this. For Georgia, I just think Georgia has to use its size because we kind of saw that against Auburn. I mean, Georgia was a bigger team. They used that size, aggressiveness, physicality in the first half. But we saw kind of Auburn just completely flip the script, change the game in the second half. Georgia's got to do that against this team because as good as Gafford's been, uh, you still feel like if you're Georgia, you know, you have experienced guys in there. You have Yontay Mayton uh, who can make an impact, not only in scoring, but in rebounding, defending, and all that. And then you have another guy in there like Derek Ogbede who can do the same type of thing. So Georgia is a bigger team, and they're just going to have to play physical and try to make things hard on Arkansas because I think that's their best chance of winning. And so we'll see how that game plays out, but this is an opportunity for Arkansas here because Georgia has not been, you know, the kind of team that has been able to put put together consistent play for 40 minutes. And I think this is where, uh, if you're Arkansas, this is a road game you feel like you need to win because there's there's so many tough ones out there. And like I mentioned, this is the first of three straight in SEC play at Texas A&M at LSU up next. Uh, so Mike Anderson's team, I think, needs to find a way to win this game. And then Vanderbilt and Tennessee will go at it for the second time this season. The Vols won the first matchup there, 92-84 here in Nashville. Uh, it was a, an interesting game because we kind of saw the Vols exploit the weaknesses of Vanderbilt and the one we've kind of known about all year long in that Tennessee was just relentless inside, and you had Grant Williams, who obviously went for a career-high 37 points, he was 12 and 19 from the floor, got to the free throw line 15 times. And Tennessee was able to use that aggressiveness uh, to put, you know, together a very good comeback win. And and that's what they're going to have to do here. They're just going to have to be similar like we talked about with Georgia and Arkansas. Uh Tennessee's going to have to be aggressive. And and that's kind of what it comes down to because Vanderbilt does not have the experience inside. Uh, they don't have that that sort of that that punch that they packed in recent years. When you have a guy like Luke Cornett, go back to Damian Jones, guys like that. Vanderbilt doesn't have that on this team, and that allowed Grant Williams to kind of exploit that weakness. And Admiral Schofield, guys like that, Kyle Alexander, uh, they can all have opportunities here to to really affect the game and try to gain an advantage both on the boards and then defending as well. Make things hard on Vanderbilt to score, but. That also kind of goes back to this point for the Commodores, and I, and I said it last week. They're going to have to make shots from outside to win these types of games, especially on the road, and and that's what it's going to come down to. Can Vanderbilt shoot well from outside? If Vanderbilt doesn't shoot well, they just don't really have a good chance to, to win a game like this, and that's kind of what it comes down to because Vandy hit 11 threes in the previous matchup. That's why we saw that type of game. Uh, you know, they, they also shot well in terms of twos. I mean, Vandy shot 60% from two. They shot 42% from three, made 11 three-pointers, like I mentioned. That's what they're going to have to have. I mean, you've got to have Riley LeChance playing like he did against LSU. You've got to have Saban Lee being aggressive like he would against LSU uh, because Matthew Fisher-Davis' availability is unknown at this point. You don't really know when he's going to be back from that shoulder injury. You feel like you're going to get quality production from Jeff Roberson. He's sort of been, you know, we talked about earlier, Uh, He has been a model of consistency all year long for Vanderbilt. Uh, So you know what you're getting out of him. But beyond that, you don't really know what you're going to get if you're Bryce True. And and that's kind of concerning 
going into a game against the Tennessee team that, that got a big win at South Carolina and, and should be able to use its aggressiveness, especially with guys like William Schofield, uh, to make things hard here on Vanderbilt. They also have good guard depth, as we know. Lamonte Turner came off the bench, had a big game at South Carolina. So Tennessee's guards are playing well, starting to kind of find a little bit more momentum. And if they have that, plus the, the combination of Williams playing like he did in that first game, uh, this is going to be a big challenge for Vanderbilt. And then we've got Alabama going to Ole Miss. And the Tide have won four in a row now after it looked like they were completely, you know, sort of done for. I mean, after that game at Georgia, you had a lot of people, myself included, looking around and kind of shaking their head and wondering how the rest of this season was going to play out because they scored 46 points in that game, uh, just did not look capable of winning a game in the SEC at that point. I mean, it was just, that was a rough game. But they've responded now. And they've done it the past two games without Colin Sexton on the floor, which is even more impressive. Uh, and I mentioned this in the notebook entry I wrote on southeasthoops.com on Sunday night. Alabama's a tough team to prepare for when Sexton's not on the court because while they're very tough to prepare for when he is on the court because you, I mean, you know what he's going to bring to the table, you don't really know what you're going to get on the offensive end of the floor when he's not kind of running everything. And that's made them difficult to defend, I think, for both Auburn and Mississippi State in these past two games. And Braxton Key's obviously playing better, and that's the big boost that Alabama's been waiting for. I talked about that uh, when he was out injured. People kept asking, what is Alabama's problem? Why can't they get it going? You have to remember that, that Key was their best player last year. He was the most versatile player, gave them so much production in a lot of different areas. So not having him on the court, even, when you, even while you add the, the great freshman class, not having him on the court was huge. So if he's starting to find his rhythm, which he looks like he has, look at the way he played against Mississippi State, that's good news for Alabama because that's what they're going to have to have if they want to be a second weekend NCAA tournament team. And so they need him to continue playing well uh, and because we, we don't know if Sexton's going to play in this game. So Key needs to play well here, and Alabama's inside guys need to play well. Uh, Dante Hall, Daniel Giddens, because... Ole Miss is is obviously an undersized team. The strength of Ole Miss is their guard play. We know that. But Bruce Stevens has really started to play well you know, himself, and he's really kind of picked up his production here. He's had four straight games, double-digit scoring, and, and you know, I think he's a guy that, that can affect, this kind of, affect a game like this. He's going to have to rebound well, as we know, but Terrence Davis goes off, kind of gets out of his shooting slump, scores 30 points against Arkansas, I mean, this is not a game that Alabama can overlook because I know people will kind of look at Ole Miss and and look at maybe the schedule and say, well, you know, Ole Miss has lost three of four. They just can't seem to get turned a corner. Well, you have to remember this too. They've beaten Florida at home. They've beaten Mississippi State at home. They've beaten South Carolina at home. Ole Miss is another one of those teams that, yes, they've lost three of four, but all four of their SEC losses have come on the road. And all three of their SEC wins have coming home. So we're seeing that sort of thing play out with several of these teams. And so Ole Miss is not an easy team to beat at home. They've turned it around since they had those struggles earlier in the season where they lost those three overtime games at home. Uh, but they've found their groove now. And so that makes this a very difficult challenge, I think, for Alabama because even in their losses, it's not like Ole Miss has played poorly. They lost that game by two at Texas A&M, that buzzer beater that didn't go in which you still have no idea how that didn't go in. Uh, and then they only lost by four at Arkansas. So 
this is not one Alabama can just come out and kind of say, well, we're riding a four-game winning streak. We're going to be able to play poorly and win this game. I don't think that's the case. Alabama's going to have to play well here. And, you know, guard play is going to be important because we know how much that that, that Ole Miss guard play, the, the backcourt, can change the game. And you just need Ole Miss, you know, if you're if you're Alabama, you need your big guys to play well because they can kind of help on the boards and pick up an advantage there. But I think this is a very, very close game that probably goes right down to the wire because I just Ole Miss is playing better basketball, even though the record itself and the results of these past three or four games may not show it. Uh, they're playing better, and they're specifically playing better at home. And another rematch that'll happen on Tuesday, that is Texas A&M and LSU. That game will be played in Baton Rouge this time around. Um, we all kind of remember how that first game went. Tremont Waters hits the the unbelievable shot at the buzzer to give the Tigers the win in College Station. But this game will look a bit different because the Aggies will have a lot more players on the floor than they did in that game. Uh, Dwayne Wilson, Robert Williams, Admon Gilder were all out in that game against LSU the first time around. So we're seeing the Aggies build some momentum here. They had that close win like we talked about against Ole Miss. They come back, hold Missouri to 49 points uh, here on Saturday. And so maybe this is where they're starting to kind of get back to being that team that we thought they could be. And this is an important game, I think, to get there because LSU, while they've fallen off a little bit here and losing three straight, you have to look at this, too. LSU's four losses this year have all come by eight points or less in SEC play. Um, and their, their last three, you lose by eight to Alabama, lose by one to Georgia, lose by six at Vanderbilt. Uh, then they had that loss earlier in SEC play where they only lost by three against Kentucky. So it, it's not that we're looking back to last year where, uh-oh, here we go with LSU. You know They're going to start losing games in conference play and on and on. They're, they're not getting blown out. They're losing very close games. They're right there at the end of games. They have just kind of need to be able to turn that corner themselves and win some of these close games. Now, Waters hasn't had the scoring output that he's had uh, throughout the season. He, he's kind of dropped off a little bit. He only had seven against Vanderbilt, had six against Georgia, uh, had eight in the game at Arkansas, which that didn't really matter. LSU still... Uh, came out. We know how that result went with, with a 21-point win at Bud Walton, but uh, they need him to kind of get back on track, and, and this is going to be one of those games where he's going to be going up against some, some good guards, as we know. Dwayne Wilson playing well, Admon Gilder, uh, one of the more underrated defensive players probably in the entire country, I think. Uh, so he's going to get some challenges here, and there's no doubt about it, but they need a guy like Duapari to carry over what he did against Vanderbilt into this game. We know the challenges that present themselves when you go up against the Texas A&M team that that has three guys that are 6'10", and you had Tony Troach, Morelos, Robert Williams, Tyler Davis, all kind of fuel them uh, in that win over Missouri. And that's the kind of thing you run into to where you've got to be able to rebound against Texas A&M. You've got to be able to stop their paint presence. Uh, if you go back to that first game, uh, Reith, you know, like I said, he had a career night against Vanderbilt went for 31-13. and 13. He only had nine points in that game. Uh, he did have 10 rebounds in, in the previous game against Texas A&M, but he only shot 3 of 11 from the floor. So they're going to need him to, to play well against these guys, and it's going to be tough, like we said, because of the defensive matchups and knowing the guys you have to go against in there. Uh, so, so this will be a game where, look, LSU, they hit 12 three-pointers in the previous matchup. Uh, between these two teams. Texas A&M only went 5-25 of in that first game. 
Uh, so you wonder how offensively both these teams will play compared to, to how last time. And, and LSU, they've been a very efficient offensive team. It's just a matter of, you know, getting back on track, getting through these these losses here. Uh, but but this will be another game. I think that it's going to be very close. Because Texas A&M is starting to find their groove a bit, but LSU has not, you know, been a team, like I mentioned, that, that is getting blown out. They're keeping every game close, going down to the wire, uh, and I would pretty much expect nothing different in a game like this. And then the final game of the night uh, will be Mississippi State at Kentucky. The Wildcats are out of the top 25, um, of course, for the first time in a while. Uh, I also put together this, and, and I found it interesting, but but not really that surprising. I, I threw the stat out on Twitter earlier. Uh, Kentucky, they're seven games into conference play now. They don't have a single double-digit victory on their schedule in conference play, and that's the first time that's happened through seven games since the 2008 season when they didn't get a 10 or more plus point win until their eighth game. They beat Alabama by 10 in their eighth game that season in conference play, and that was the only game they won in conference play all year long by double digits. They went 12-4. and four. That was when Billy Gillespie was still there. Uh, but they won a lot of close games that year. That year, And, and the, you know, you didn't see that level of dominance that, that we had seen before. Uh, you know, when we talk about Kentucky, and we're not seeing that this year either. And look, it's, it's not surprising. We all knew there were going to be concerns with this team coming into the season. We, we knew it was not going to be as easy as it's been for all these years because the level of play in the SEC has gone up so much. Uh, and you looked at the Kentucky team and felt like this was a team that was going to need a while to put it all together. And you don't feel like they, they still haven't put it all together at this point. They have a game like this where they, they host a Mississippi State team that has not played well on the road. Uh, they did show improvement at Alabama. You have to give Mississippi State credit for that. Uh, they, they were down early, but they managed to come back and make things very interesting in the second half. And the biggest problem I see for the Bulldogs here is maybe a tendency to rely too much on the three in a game like this. Uh, because Kentucky's size and length is going to make it very difficult to score inside, as we know. Every, a lot of teams have seen that already. But I think if Mississippi State decides to, to rely a little bit too much on the three, then, then that's going to be a problem because they've only shot over 31% once so far from three-point range in SEC play. And so they're going to have to find a way to, to stay physical, uh, to really attack Kentucky on the glass because that's going to be their best chance of winning. You can't just rely on shooting great from outside uh, because this is just not a great shooting team. And so that's important for Mississippi State. It's still a very young team, so maybe you get the tendency to not want to go in there with Kentucky's length, but you know, you've know you got to challenge them in some way. And I think if Mississippi State decides to shoot a lot of jump shots, they're going to be in trouble uh, because the numbers don't really add up in that regard. And so I fully expect Kentucky to bounce back here, knowing what we know about the way that the Bulldogs have played on the road. Uh, but it's still a work in progress. And maybe finally, you know, this team's out of the top 25. Uh, you know, John Calipari certainly has their attention now. They've lost two in a row. Uh, so so this is a big change. And, you know, if you're Kentucky, you got to play well here because you want to feel good about yourselves before you go into a just a, an incredibly tough road game on Saturday at West Virginia. So the Cats need to find some momentum here, and I think they should. Uh, because, you know, I just don't think Mississippi State presents the types of challenges 
that that you know a Florida team presented because Florida could shoot the ball well, and even when the Gators didn't play their best basketball, they found a way to win there. Uh, but it feels like boy, if he has to have Kentucky's attention right now, uh, based on this two-game losing streak, and so the Wildcats seeing how they respond here is going to be very interesting. But that'll wrap up uh, today's episode of the Southeast Hoops podcast. As I continue to say, thank you guys for your support. Uh, of SEC basketball, of the site, southeasthoops.com. We just enjoy bringing you uh, the best SEC basketball coverage that we can. And we have a lot of written stuff going over there every every day, as you know. Uh, and I'm doing these podcasts more frequently now. So be sure you're subscribed. Go over to iTunes. Just search for Southeast Hoops. You can subscribe to it for free there. Be sure to stay tuned uh, to the podcast this week. Have a very special guest coming up on Wednesday's episode of the podcast. May also do one on Tuesday. But a special guest will be joining me on Wednesday. I think you will enjoy that discussion uh, if you're an SEC basketball fan. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of these upcoming podcasts. Uh, I have a lot more interviews coming up here soon now as we get back into the flow of this. So uh, be sure to do that uh, as well. So thank you as always for listening, and I will talk to you guys next time.